This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. We need to analyze more about the real damage done by Jimmy Carter because we're suffering from that damage today with what's going on with Iran. Iran. How do we let that happen? How do we have a president weak enough to allow that to happen and fester a bill and give these people, these ayatollahs, these whack jobs, the belief that they could push us around as they have for all these years? Look what Obama did with Iran. And then look what Trump did. Got in their face, stood our ground. Not just his ground, our ground. Took a tough guy with harsh language. And people believed him. You know why? Because he was honest and truthful. Because when he drew a red line in Syria, when they used bio-warfare on their own people, Trump did not just say it's a red line. He went in there with missiles. Not Obama. Trousers and motorcycle boots And a black leather jacket with his name on the back He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio His name is New York Mike And welcome to the show This is Roll Right Radio I'm New York Mike Hey, I'm New York Mike And this is Roll Right Radio Yes, it is a new year Here we are It's January 2022. Absolutely. Hey, and, and by the way, I, I love Monday mornings. Monday's a great day. I get to listen to Jay Redmond's Monday muster. <laughs> Mine is Monday musing. I'm just going to be musing here, just going off the top of my head, thinking about things like resolutions. Here we are, New Year's resolutions. I'm not a resolution guy per se. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, you know, take that opportunity, like New Year's, to make some inspiring promise to yourself. Resolve to do more of this or less of that. Do things we've been putting off. Losing weight. Writing a book. Whatever. Gaining weight. It's a good time. It's a good excuse. It's a good opportunity to say, hey, it's a new year. I'm going to make a resolution. I'm going to go to the gym every day. <laughs> oh, my God. Before COVID, I've lived in gyms all my life. I mean, that's who I am. We hate January because the place gets, it gets crowded. <laughs> Everybody, like the beginning of summer, I got to get in shape. So they join the gym and they go down there as soon as the weather gets nice, especially someplace like New York. April, boom, May. And then they go down there and they get all, they go, oh, my God. Okay, now it's going to get real crowded. And you know what? It's kind of a cool thing. It's cyclical. It doesn't last. People come in, you get your New Year's resolution. Coming in January, you give it a shot. And you know what? Some people will stay with it. They'll stay with it. They'll follow through and they'll get that result and they'll like the result. Whatever it is, that could be you. And that's why I think it's worthwhile. We all make fun of New Year's resolutions. but I think it's a good thing. I think it's a custom. Who call it a custom? It's a good custom. So if you've made resolutions or you're making your resolution, if you haven't made it's not too late. Today's Monday, January 3rd, 
2022 and make your New Year's resolution right now. Why not use the moment like this? And I'm going to try to think about, you know, it, it comes along once a year. Why not assess where we are and, and make some personal commitments? I'm just musing. I'm just thinking about it. And make a personal commitment. It might help us achieve a goal or two. Get rid of a bad habit or commit to new positive practices. So I hate saying it out loud because then you kind of like, I'm committing to it publicly. You don't have to. Here I am, and I'm going to publicly say that I'm going to commit to using my Peloton more often. Yes. Yes. That's right. Yes, you guessed. I don't use it enough. Talk about musing, and I'll tell you something. What I don't like about it, because I like the pellet. I, I hate the seat. It hurts. I, I keep on thinking I'm going to buy one of the bicycle shorts that have the padding in it so I can not hurt as much. And then maybe I'd like it, but it hurts. But the other thing I don't like, uh, I know I've talked to people that love their trainers. I don't like them. I just don't. I'm sorry. I don't like them. That's just my personal opinion. They're not that bad. They're not people that I choose to hang around with. Can I put it that way? And uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I can legitimately say that without being that negative. I mean, now I feel badly I said it. I have nothing against them. They're powerful individuals. They're Peloton trainers. That's a good thing. There's something about their style or whatever. Am I entitled to that? But I'll get on the Peloton. And I'll turn on TV, just like I'm doing my sit-ups and doing my stretches, whatever I'm doing. I got the TV on. I'm watching whatever I'm watching. Usually it's Fox News. <laughs> What's new? And I could just set my phone alarm for a half an hour. Boom! And do it. And you know what? And I do pretty strong workouts. I'm, I'm on that thing. And I could turn the resistance up. I could do all that. So that's my thing. I'm, yeah, that's the number one thing. There's other things that I'm thinking about. I don't want to say it out loud, okay? I just don't. That's it. So, but it is 2022, the double deuce. 22-2, the double deuce. And so I'm going to double down. Yeah. Does that mean I'm, I'm going to double the time on the Peloton? <laughs> I don't think so. Double how many sit-ups I do? Nah. To me, it means I'm going to double down on my mindset to do the things I know will make my life better. That's it. I'm doubling down. And double down on not doing things that may be making my life worse. There's a lot of things I, that I do. I got a lot of bad habits. I've cut out a lot of things. And I feel good about it. I used to eat ice cream literally till the cows froze over. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, and I basically cut it out. And I feel good about that. What are some other things that are making my life worse? I think I've cut out a lot of it, but I'm going to double down in my search for other things. I mean, am I going to make a list and check off one by one? I don't think so. I think I'm just going to focus and actually analyze the positives and negatives and really consider doing more of what I know will have a positive effect on my life and the lives of the people around me especially Petrina. I mean, everything I do affects 
the people who are right around me. And right, right now, the people around me consist of, basically, Petrina. <laughs> That's it. And when you think about that, and it was, again, I'm, I'm going to refer to Richie Yates' book. If you really want to get something that I think is inspirational, because it's so true. I told him it's like Sun Tzu's book about the art of war. His is the art of life. And it's kind of interesting. And I like the way he talked about his marriage, his wife, Pam, 56 years. It was kind of a cool thing. You don't have to be married for 50 years or 40 years. You could be married for two years, you know. But it's nice when you recognize, I think, and I definitely want to recognize, you know, Petrina and I have been through a lot, to say the very least. And did she get me through cancer? Without a doubt. I would not, I don't think I'd be here. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm just laughing at the irony of it, that I, I really wouldn't be here if she hadn't insisted I do this or that or, you know, and, and she could get pretty tough about these things. When she dragged me to that emergency room and we found out I had a staph infection and I had to carry this infusion thing. I mean, really? But over the years, even more than that, going through all the stuff I went through after that and the business and the this and the that, there was a lot of stuff. And my staying healthy, keeping the faith, doing all that, that affects her. If you got kids at home, it affects them. If you got whatever, whoever depends on you. I mean, when I had a, a full staff of people working at San Diego Harley Davidson, they depended a lot on me. And when I went away, it's kind of interesting. And again, I go back to reading Richie's book and what he's going through. And I'm thinking about the recovery, the process, the support system, his building a team. I'm not sure I did that. Petrina might have done that for me if I think about it. I didn't go to Dr. Fox. She found Dr. Fox. She found the doctors that eventually were the doctors that I adopted. She dragged me all the way to Boston to go to the... But you got to have that team. If you don't build that team, you're in it all by yourself. And when you're all by yourself, it doesn't work that way. Not only doesn't it work as well, it doesn't work. You're going to have a team. So it may as well be the team you choose. There's going to be people around you that are going to affect your life, whether you like it or not. If you're by yourself, you decide to check in to an emergency room, you have nobody there. Well, those people are going to become, whether you chose them or not, so you may as well choose the team. And if you're fortunate enough to have a partner in your life, that's what I have in Petrina. That's the nucleus, the beginning. That's the foundation of that team. And that's true of everything in life. And I think as a resolution to recognize that and to build on that, it's an important thing. That's what I'm saying. And double down on how much I consider how what I do affects her life and all the others around us. I think that's a big deal. And by the way, you know, relating that to politics is everything I do relates to politics. As you well know, I got to, you know, connect this because I'm using here, right? I'm just, you know, thinking out loud going through the thought process, and I realized that America first is a great national mindset to make our country better. It's also a great personal mantra 
And as we work to improve ourselves individually, we also improve the whole country and everybody around us. You get better, everybody around you gets better. I get better, Petrina gets better. Petrina gets better, I get better. Our lives get better. As we become healthier individually, the nation becomes healthier. And it's just what each and every one of us have an individual responsibility. That's it. America first means us individually as Americans first. As we become successful, so does the country. And the more successful each of us are, the more successful the country is. You have more money, you spend more money. Yeah, that's the redistribution. During Obama, remember when he said that? I was like, wait a minute, he's going to take from the people and give it to the people who need it, according to him, according to the government, according to who? Who knows who needs what? Because you make X amount, you don't need it all, according to Obama, according to some politician, according to what? All right? If you have more money to invest, you invest in businesses that create more jobs, that create more products, that create more money. So it's the way it goes. Now, what's the difference? Because you make the money and you make the decisions to go buy a candy bar, go buy a car, go buy a bicycle, go buy a motorcycle. Yeah, go to your local Harley dealer, buy a motorcycle. That's a great idea. I can go into a whole bunch of reasons why that's really a great idea. But whatever you do, you know, you, you buy that motorcycle. The person who you buy it from, they're making money with. Are they making that money you're putting in their pocket? No, they're paying the salesperson. They're paying the, the financing people. They're paying their parts people. They're, pay, they're paying other people's salaries every time you buy something. So every time somebody in America manufactures something, the money recirculates itself right here. And when the government does the same thing, people say, well, the government gives money. When we as individuals invest, sell products, manufacture, we create new money backed by solid economic growth. I'm trying to think of better ways to understand the differences. Solid economic growth. When the government spends money, it's either our tax dollars that they take and recirculate it the way they want, or they have to print more money. When they print more money, it devalues the money that's already in circulation. It's just the way it is. It makes perfect sense to me. Think about it. When you have more money, the money that's already there is less valuable. When you're poor, every nickel counts. Every dime, quarter, dollar, oh my God, dollar. Imagine the you know, $20 bill, wow. You know, you got a wealthier person. They don't look at every nickel and every dollar. I mean, it counts. It's important. Is it as important as when you didn't have anything? Just enough to subsist? Come on, don't lie. It's just the way it is. So devaluing the dollar, when you do it on a mass basis, the way this country's been doing it for the last two years, it really devalues the dollar, and that's what creates inflation. Then on the same time that you're doing that, 
You stop the pipeline. You stop oil and gas drilling. You stop fracking. Prices go up. Oil prices go up. Everything follows. Imagine. You talk about the double deuce, man. Talk about doubling down. My God, that's it right there. That says it more than anything I can say. It. And that we look at the people in power, well, and you expect them to be able to discern what's a good policy and what's not good. What's right, what's wrong. What's better for the country. And I don't think it takes a lot to figure out what they're doing today is not good for this country. And so each of us individually owe it to ourselves to do what's best for each of us. And when we do what's best for each of us, that's putting America first as best we can. The more products that we produce, the more inflation decreases. The more we go out there and work and build our businesses, create jobs, real jobs, and bring people into work. And make things. The better off we are, if we're successful, it's always a risk. You build a product, you make a product, you buy the building, the equipment, you make this investment. It's a risk. And you take that risk and that risk pays off for you. It pays off for the whole country. The more money the government puts in circulation, the more inflation increases. At zero interest and other devices to stir the economy, they start to have a negative effect. Raising rates may help, but it can hurt as they did when Jimmy Carter was in office. I know I hate to say his name, and I do hate to say his name. And everybody said, man, you're such a nice guy. Yeah, but, you know, you want to say nice guys finish last. I mean, the guy was president of the United States, very successful peanut farming. He lived a fabulous Life, don't say nice guys finish last. This nice guy with his agenda really hurt the country in ways that I think that we, we should be talking about that more. I don't want to call a person names. I found his policies to be abhorrent. Now, people didn't call him the names they called Donald Trump. It's kind of ironic. Trump's policies were fantastic. America first. This was putting the country ahead of everything. And it's like, Trump said, every country needs to put their country first. That's how we're all going to get better. The whole world's going to get better when the country puts the country first. When Germany puts Germany first, and Russia puts Russia first, and Iran puts Iran first. But Iran's not going to put Iran first. It's just not what they do. They're ruled in a different way. What they're doing is what they're doing better for Iran. The people in Iran are suffering. The money that they get goes to their military, goes to build this nuclear thing, goes to destroy Israel, that's their goal, to destroy Israel. So what do I have against Carter? What I have against Carter, I guess, is what I have against how we operate as a country. We get this guy, Carter, as president, which was the backlash kind of a thing to Nixon. Nixon was a tough guy. He, he never seemed like a nice guy. And then after the whole Watergate thing, <laughs> he seemed like a nasty bastard. I didn't have anything against Nixon per se. I hated his policies. I didn't think that my way of thinking about politics, I'm, I vote Republican because I want less government in my life. And if you weren't around during Nixon, the way he tried to stave off inflation and take care of things was he had price controls and 
and this controls and that controls. He created the 55 mile an hour speed limit for crying out loud. Everything was a government project, a government mandate, and the go everything was the government rent control. Everything was controlled. That's not how how I saw the government should be run. And then Gerald Ford came along, who I thought was just the nicest guy and also a good leader. I thought Gerald Ford was pretty good. One gaffe, something about Poland and communism, one gaffe, and, and that's it. He goes away, and they bring in Jimmy Carter. I think the country was just ready for a really nice guy with a little different approach. And he came in, the man was a nucleus scientist, pretty sure a Naval Academy graduate who commanded the nuclear submarine. I mean, the guy he had all the credentials in the world to being a really good president and commander-in-chief. Not that I voted for him, don't get me wrong. I kind of like Gerald Ford. But it didn't offend me. I said, look, it, it's what happened. What offended me was his policies after he came in. What offended me was when he embraced Yasser Arafat. Yeah, the PLO. And that was when we weren't dealing with terrorists. And Jimmy Carter was. He had his UN ambassador deal with Yasser Arafat and start supporting the PLO. Yeah, I know, I'm, I digress. I digress, but let's digress a little bit. It's okay. It's a new year. And I said, I'm musing. So I don't digress from the fact that I'm musing. And I'm musing about Jimmy Carter because I want to get to how that affects us today. And I'm going to tell you how in a, in a minute. But first, I want to talk about the weakness of Carter and the cost it had, even though electing Reagan turned things around. We do a great injustice by not talking enough about the damage that Carter did. Because, I mean, whether we're talking about the oil crisis, the lines at the pumps, inflation, these are things we still suffer from. And the PLO in the Mideast that he elevated to the status that gave them ability to have a seat in the UN, it still exists. And, and there's so much more, but we need to learn from them. And I got to tell you, you know, he got together with Anwar Sadat, who was then the president of Egypt. And they brought them together with Israel to the White House, Menachem Begin. Anwar Sadat came to the White House, and that was a great moment. And then if you remember, not long after that, Sadat was assassinated. He put his life on the line. He put his life on the line, and he paid that price to try to make peace in the Middle East. So when Jimmy Carter visited the Middle East, I don't know, five, six years ago, and he brought a wreath to put on the grave of Yasser Arafat, the head of the PLO, the terrorist organization. Did he go to the gravesite of Anwar Sadat? Those are things that bother me. We have to analyze. I think we should be talking about those things. Why? Because we have to learn so we don't make the same mistakes. We have to learn that we don't make the same mistakes with Biden. If we don't fully disclose the damage that Biden has done and drive the reality of it until people are sick of hearing it. And I'm not just talking about because of campaigning, 
that we want to have our guys in there. Yes, we do. It's politics. It's true. It's politics. Yes. But it's also what's best for this country. We need to expose this stuff. We need to talk about why the, why the Republicans always talk so badly about Jimmy Carter. He's such a nice guy. He was a good guy. 21% interest rates, you know, all that. Okay, was that his fault? Well, let's talk about those things. Now, yeah, that's years ago, all right? 40 or 50 years ago. Well, I, I guess if you're not going to really discuss Woodrow Wilson and FDR and expose them, you could say, but we need to do that. We need to spend more time doing that. I know people write books and talk about it, but let's analyze it. You got the debits, you got the credits. Yeah, his sycophants are going to write all these wonderful things about him. But the honest, learned person that writes and studies these things can be objective and can objectively criticize what's bad and what went wrong. Because if you don't do that, you are bound to repeat history. And if we don't learn from history, if you don't understand it, if you don't analyze it, you are doomed to repeat it because people don't change. We don't change. It's like when I talk about that Turkish show about the Muslim world back in the 12th century, the 13th century, the people were the same. They didn't have the same equipment. They didn't have the same science or technology. They didn't have the same, you know, functionality. But the people were the same. The backstabbing, the traitors, the heroes, the, the same. So if we're going to suffer through, let's not give up a moment of analyzing every mistake he made. That's right. Not for political gain, but for the betterment of the country so that we can move on. And then when it comes time, 10, 15, 20 years from now, we could say, wait, 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 we don't want to go there again. We don't want a weak leader. Now, we don't know what's going to happen. The guy's been a president for a year. It's not even a year, technically. January 20th, it'll be a year. And the damage he's done to this country is incalculable. Because just what happened in Afghanistan alone is huge. Forget about the, all the domestic problems. Energy prices, the fact we're not energy independent, we're now dependent on OPEC again. The inflation, the border, you go on and on. And every podcast we do. I don't care if it's me, Joe Rogan, or whoever. We do because it's important to. It's important to not minimize the importance of each of these things to understand them. And there's going to be a lot of people, a lot smarter than me, and all the rest of the names that you can put out there who should be writing the books and really analyzing why these policies are wrong or these policymakers are wrong. Why a strong man like Trump is better for the country. If you don't like the guy, you don't like his personality, look at what is good leadership. When Harry Truman said, you know, the buck stops here, when he pushed that button, not once but twice, on Japan, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, Boom. That's a tough guy. He didn't take no gruff, baby. He didn't. He said, if you want a friend in Washington, get a dog. That's all Harry Truman. <laughs> Ironic. He's a Democrat. Maybe we just 
didn't learn enough about what it takes. FDR wasn't a strong leader. I'm sorry, he wasn't. You know, him, Stalin, if it wasn't for Churchill, I don't know what would have happened. So thankfully we got through that, but we need to understand that more. It's important to read the books. I get it. It's also, how do we decimate this through the education system of the country? You know, if there's anything people are talking about today, and I muse on, that has real weight, it's that, do we really teach the history of this country? Do we really teach the truth? Or do we just cherry pick and make it sound like, yeah, we won World War II? We did, but we lost over 400,000 soldiers. In less than four years. That's not as many as we lost in the Civil War. I get it. But that's a lot of soldiers to lose. And do we understand why? Have we really analyzed it? Were we not prepared for war? And why weren't we prepared? These are the things. So have we really properly identified the problems caused by the Obama presidency? No. Trump pulled us out of a dark place, but we never took the time to highlight Obama's faults and the damage that caused. We just didn't. And I, there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, I know. We're all sensitive to the fact that he was the first black president, black American president. And the left has no doubt that Obama did a great job. And they pulled out all the stops to destroy Trump and reelect Obama in Biden. That's right. But perhaps if we had focused on exposing Obama, we could have avoided Biden. I think this is as important as the left does as they continue to destroy Trump. That's what they do. Take a page from the Democrat Party. They continue to destroy Trump. They don't stop. They don't slow down. They're in your face, Trump, Trump, Trump. They talk about January 6th as if it was a revolt of the country. Are you kidding me? There was no guns. There was no weapons. I don't think there was a Swiss Army knife in that group. Okay? There were a bunch of, you know, morons and idiots. I mean, come on. If you went in there, if you breached the Capitol... Whether you were sucked in or whatever, you got to look back at yourself and say that was pretty stupid, don't you? I mean, I got a call from my buddy Warnock. Mike, got to turn around. We're going back to the buses. What happened? It's a, it's a cluster, man. This isn't good. We got, and this is my guy, man. This guy is my, like, I love this guy. He's this conservative, right wing, Port Authority cop went to more funerals of his brother's Port Authority police officer who died on 9-11 than I can count. I mean, this is a man that loves this country, served in the Navy. And as a cop, he goes to the Capitol and he sees what's going on. He calls me to go back. We're leaving. They breached the Capitol. Mike, the Capitol police didn't set up a perimeter. I can't believe it. I was a cop for over 20 years. How do you do that? They're inviting them in. And they're taking the bait and they're going in. It's like, go back. And I went back. I listened. Said, this is nasty. What's going on? And I'm sorry for the people that got 
sucked in. They weren't there to destroy the Capitol. They were there to protest the fact that this was a stolen election. And they didn't want Mike Pence to certify it. That was his job as vice president. Certify it or not certify it. And a lot of people felt that Mike Pence should not have certified that election, that he should have demanded audits on those battleground states, those five or six battleground states, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona. You remember those states, don't you? Yeah, where Trump was ahead at 10 o'clock at night, they stopped counting and closed down. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, he was down by thousands and thousands of votes. You remember those states? Yeah. And the left keeps saying, oh, it was a revolt. It was a revolution. It was a whatever they want to call it. It's all kinds of things. You know, all these people should be put in jail. Well, they've been in jail without due process. And a lot of them are pleading guilty because they don't have the money to get out. They're in jail. They don't have bail. They don't have... What kind of way is this? My Democrat friends, are you proud of the fact that your representatives are pursuing this in this manner? Everybody should have due process. Due process. You get bail. Now, these people are robbing, raping, killing, and getting without bail. No cash bail. Boom, they're gone. Oh, but you breached the Capitol? Oh, because that's a revolution? Did you have a gun? Did you have a weapon? Did you even have a knife? Did you have anything besides some stupid Trump banner or some computer or some loud foghorn? Beep, beep, and going there celebrating, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And we all know why. We didn't want Pence to certify that election. I did not want Pence to certify that election. Was he the guy to do that? No, he said, oh, wait a minute. I got to weigh the odds over. I got to weigh all my options. This is wrong. Got to certify it. I'm getting so much pressure. Oh, come on. We can't. Well, he came in. You can't fault, fault him. Can't say he was a traitor. I know Trump does, and Trump did. He let down Trump. He did. Because he knew that Trump got screwed over there. The whole country did. That's what I believe. And by the way, I, as an American, am entitled to believe that. Am I entitled to revolt because of it? No, of course not. Am I entitled to go into the Capitol and destroy things? Of course not. And if I did, I deserve the punishment I got. But hopefully I'd have a trial and I'd be able to get up there and say, I'm innocent until you accuse me of something that you could prove me guilty of. Yes, I breached the Capitol and I shouldn't have. And I yelled and screamed and waved my hand and said things. But I'm entitled to do that. So get me for trespassing. I mean, come on. There's all kinds of ways. But nope, they would not give them the ability to have due process and make their claims and fight the fight. They made it impossible, very expensive, which is what they do. That's how they get you. And then they say, okay, you know, we're going to bankrupt you and your whole family. Oh, you're going to take this plea. We'll give you 13 months in jail or two years or 12 months or whatever it's going to be. That's what they're doing. And I think it's wrong to a tremendous degree. And we should be doing something other than what we're doing. But you're all standing around there on the left saying that 
it was a revolution of some kind, an insurrection, which implies that we went in there with weapons. And to, oh yeah, the other thing, an insurrection we wanted to kill the senators and Congress. Nobody wanted to kill anybody. Ashley Babbitt was killed. She was murdered by a capital cop of some whatever. And that was wrong. And that should be investigated. Yes, I'm not saying the guy is guilty, but he should have been put on a public trial, just like all these cops that kill people and people aren't happy with them because they shouldn't have killed. Here you have a criminal with a record and they're trying to escape and they try to run away and they get into this and that, every circumstance, but the cops put on trial. Well, why not the guy that killed Ashley Babbitt? Maybe he's going to go in there and say, listen, I was scared for my life because you got to be scared for your life to pull the trigger and shoot someone. And every cop that I've seen defend themselves said they were scared for their lives. The last cop we saw was scared for her partner's life because his head was in the car as the guy started driving away. But yet she was found guilty. I didn't think that was appropriate. I wouldn't have found her guilty, at least not of the charge manslaughter one, but they did. But this guy that killed Ashley Babbitt, not even the trial, not even the question. And as far as this whole thing, they, they're condemning Trump for instigating this riot. He didn't instigate a riot. He didn't instigate anything. Yeah, marching and protesting. That's what we do. This is America. You march and you protest. We have the right to redress. And that's what it is. And we also have the right to support Mike Pence and say, hey, come on, don't, you know, certify this election. Not yet. Not yet. Let's hold it up. Let's scrutinize it. Let's look more carefully at it. Let's hold it up to the sunlight and see exactly what, it, well, that's what we thought should happen. There was a lot of us that thought and still think that way. It's not a crime. It's America. Is going into the capital a crime? If you break in and destroy stuff, yes. But does that make it an insurrection? <laughs> Come on. The point was that I was trying to make here is this is the left pounding and pounding and not even letting us look back on 2016 as we see John Durham prosecute the criminals that perpetrated the coup to try to get Trump pushed out of office even before he got in. Now we're seeing that right in front of us. Are we pushing it? We're not. Well, at least we have John Hughes in there, and he is at least investigating and prosecuting, and thank God that's going forward. And when the Republicans take back the House, are we going to pursue that? Are the Republicans really going to push that? Because we should. Are we going to have strong enough leadership to? Or are we going to get Kevin McCarthy? That's a big question. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. We're always putting the cart before the horse. A little bit. We do that. We're allowed to do that a little bit. So I'm allowed to say we ought to start thinking about who we want for the speaker. I, I'm sorry, Kevin, nice guy, not a leader. You know, no, I don't see him being that leader. By the way, Marjorie Taylor, they took away her Twitter account 
For what? What did she say that was wrong about COVID? What has Fauci said that's right about COVID? It goes with the wind every day. Which way? That way? This way? A mask works. It doesn't work. And now we hear everybody say, oh, cloth masks. They're a waste of time. Well, we know they're a waste of time. Fauci says, well, I think we should still wear them. As a matter of fact, we should mandate them on planes. But they don't do any good. So do they take him off Twitter? No. But this very conservative Republican, Marjorie Taylor, was it Marjorie Taylor Greene? They just, they just rip her off. Can they do that? Is that appropriate? Why don't we make it so uncomfortable? They're in a position, they're quasi-government organization. They should come under the government scrutiny. They should not be able to censor people like that. And they do. And it's wrong. But that's what the left does. What are we going to do when we get in office? Okay, two wrongs, they'll make a right. I get it. I get it. But you know what's not wrong? Really scrutinizing and delving into the presidency of people like Jimmy Carter. Every presidency leads to the next. I know. But Jimmy Carter's presidency really did have an effect on us because under Jimmy Carter, that's when Iran erupted. That's when they took the Americans hostages for 400 days. When Reagan got in, boom, he was out. I know you're going to tell me, oh, yeah. Yeah, Carter had him out and then the, the, the day after when Reagan got I, I hear all the left-wing bullshit. The fact is, Carter couldn't get him out. Carter was not strong enough. Carter allowed them the opportunity to do what he did. Why? Because he was so weak. Because of what happened with OPEC. Because of all the other policies. Because they saw who this man was, and weakness creates a vacuum. It really does for a real leader. That real leader was Reagan. But we need to analyze more about the real damage done by Jimmy Carter because we're suffering from that damage today with what's going on with Iran. Iran, how do we let that happen? How do we have a president weak enough to allow that to happen and fester and build and give these people, these ayatollahs, these whack jobs, the belief that they could push us around as they have for all these years? Look what Obama did with Iran. And then look what Trump did. Got in their face, stood our ground. Not just his ground, our ground. Took a tough guy with harsh language. And people believed him. You know why? Because he was honest and truthful. Because when he drew a red line in Syria, when they used bio-warfare on their own people, Trump did not just say it's a red line. He went in there with missiles. Not Obama. Let's analyze the days that Obama was president in this country and the damage it did and what Trump did to mitigate that damage. Whatever he was able to undo, his dealings with North Korea, his dealings with Russia, 
his deal. Russia wasn't amassing 100,000 troops on the Ukraine border under Donald Trump. No way. That wasn't going to happen. So as we enter the new year, let's be resolute in getting America back on track. Great again? Yeah, absolutely. Let's get back on track. Let's get back to where we were under Donald Trump. I don't know who the next president's going to be. I don't know who the next Republican candidate is going to be. Could be Donald Trump. I would love that. Could be Ron DeSantis. Could be a lot of people. We have a deep bench. Nikki Haley, you know, Mike Pompeo. We got so many potential real leaders. Not the joke that Biden is or Kamala Harris is. You know, everybody's saying, oh, it could be Michelle Obama. You know, (laughs) you can speculate about this stuff. That's what people do going into a new year. I think that was the Democrats who said. I don't know if I said this on the last podcast. But I'd be much more concerned about a Van Jones than I would be about Michelle Obama. I like Van Jones. I hate his policies, everything he stands for. But he's a cool dude. Check it out. How many Van Joneses do they have in the closet back there that we haven't even seen? He's a cool guy. Bring him out. Stand him up. Let's see what he says in the next couple of years. Is he going to step up in CNN? They don't have any ratings. I don't understand why not. When you got a Van Jones on the bench, they must have people of some stature, who could be honest. When Trump did the right thing, Van Jones got right behind him. Again, I don't like his policies. No way. And I don't even know that much about his policies. I don't have a problem with somebody I disagree with. It's when they're disagreeable. Usually that goes along with it. They throw stupid things in your face. Yeah, Trump or January 6th. And Oh, yeah, the, and the insurrection, you try to take over the country, and Trump's responsible for that. Yeah, I got a lot of problems with that. Come on. Say it was bad, it was bad. Say people need to go, yeah, it was. Could Trump have done a better job? Maybe. He was pissed off. I'd be pissed off. He did not lose that election. He lost the election. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't a fair and honest election. So, with that, going into the new year, Let's resolve, man. Let's double down. Let's double down on the double deuce. Let's make this our year. Let's take back Congress. Let's focus what was so wrong, because it was so wrong. Even the Democrats have to agree. It was so wrong. Afghanistan was wrong. The border is wrong. Inflation is wrong. Not being energy independent is wrong. Okay? Not stopping the pipeline in Germany, right? The Russian pipelines, you don't just say, oh, if he invades Ukraine, then we'll stop. Then we'll not allow the pipeline. Are we, are we going to wait? Nord Stream 2, hello, get rid of it now. Pull the pipe on Nord Stream now, not wait. Let's talk about that now. Why aren't the Republicans talking about that? Talking about what Biden should do right now with Putin to stop him 
from invading Ukraine. They'll wait till he invades Ukraine. They shouldn't have waited until he pulled out of Afghanistan. The Republicans should have seen what was going on and stepped up. Press conferences, push, you know, get in their face every day. When we call them the loyal opposition, they got to be loyal to us. So let's double down on the Republicans. Let's double down on the McCarthy's. They're supposed to be leaders. And say, we want leadership. Let's double down on that. That's my resolution. Let's double down on how much we, the people, are going to take the responsibility for the leadership of this country and demand, demand that they lead us. We demand our leaders lead. Don't just sit there and wait. Don't wait along with Biden, because you're waiting right there along with Biden. You're waiting. You're waiting to see if he invades Ukraine. Then what are you going to do? He's, he's just letting them go. It's like, stop it now. You shouldn't have allowed it in the first place. Let's get out there and talk about it. Sunday Morning Futures, Maria Bonaromo. Now, there's a program I can get behind. That's where they talk about this. Why not everywhere? Why not everyone? And why not every day? Oh, I know. Because people get sick of it and they change the channel. And they, I get it. Well, you know what? I hope you're not getting sick of Roll Right Radio. And I hope you're not going to get sick because we're going to start talking about other things. We're going to be talking about rolling to remember, motorcycle riding to Washington, D.C. and Memorial Day. We're going to talk about the electric vehicles. We're going to talk about the 2022 motorcycle lineup. We're going to be talking about what's coming out from Harley Davidson on January 26th. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, but we're also going to be talking about this stuff that we have got to take back our country, not just the Democrats. We got to demand more from the Republicans as well as the Democrats. I'm New York Mike. This is Roll Right Radio for a brand new year. And I am out. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.